If you need help finding the perfect location for your practice or you're ready to invest in commercial real estate, email us podcast at leadersre.com. That's podcast at leadersre, R-E as in realestate.com. Or go to leadersre.com and fill out our form. See you next time. Hey guys, welcome back. We are on part four of our negotiation series Going over the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. This title is chapter, Beware the, Ma- Beware the Yes and Master the No. So w- let's talk about a topic that is a taboo kind of job, which is the telemarketer. So just think about this type of interaction and what happens. You know, um, Traditionally, they would call right before dinner, and so the phone rings. And you pick up the phone because that's when everybody's home is around between that, you know, 5.30 and 7.30 kind of time frame. And then they go right into their script, you know, going through a series of common sense questions to get you to say yes. And the technique is designed to get you to say yes at all costs. And so as a result, we've kind of been conditioned to this type of sales and to be off put by it. And so they might start out with a common sense question like, hey, do you love drinking crisp water? And like, you're going to say yes, but it's a, it's a forced yes. You know, you really don't want to say it. And so pushing hard because of things like this, because of our, our history and the history of sales in our country and our society in general, you know, pushing hard for a yes can be counterproductive, but for good negotiators, no is the goal. Uh, yes. And maybe are often worthless. And we don't realize that because we, we've been taught, we've been conditioned to, even as from the other side of it, we've been taught as, as salespeople or in our industries to push for the yes as well. But the true negotiators, they know that no actually starts the negotiation. So think about it, right? No is the start of the negotiation. It is not the end. And when there's a reason for that. So when we say no, it protects us, right? If someone's trying to sell us uh, on something and we feel like we have the ability to say no, we can stop and more closely examine the situation without any fear of commitment. You know, think about how much control that gives you when you get to tell the other person no. Oftentimes, we'll tell our, our kids no before even considering what they have to say, right? Just out of habit. Like, you're so used to them saying, hey, can I get some ice cream? Can I go to bed late? Can I watch a show? No, 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 no. But when you stop and you reflect, a lot of times, it's actually something that you can say yes to. But either way, saying no first, it kind of takes you off the hook, right? And it gives you back the power. So, um, you know, people will fight to the death to say no. Okay. I mean, there's been books about this. There's been studies about this, extensive studies, uh, getting to know (laughs) and is one of the names of the books. And so just give them that right, you know, give them that right early and fast and don't procrastinate it. So when someone says no, they feel like they're in power. And so in a hostage situation, demanding someone's surrender can lead to the hostage's death, right? So think about Chris Voss and his job as an FBI hostage negotiator you know, demanding people to come out when there's guns involved, when there's hostages involved, when lives are on the line can lead to violence and it can lead to death. So that's why you can't, you can't just demand it. You can't just get them, um, you can't force it out of them. So talking their way out was actually turned out to be quicker than demanding that the hostages come out. So from the FBI's perspective, having a dialogue, having a conversation, talking their way out and demanding their surrender just prolonged the process. Um, letting the other side know that they can say no has a positive benefit to the negotiation. So again, we're taught that no is a bad thing, but it's not. So don't think of it as a bad thing. Um, no could mean, you know, I'm not yet ready. 
which is not like a definitive no. It could mean that you're just making me uncomfortable. No could mean I need more info. No could also mean I don't think I can't afford it. So after you get to the no, then start thinking about solution-based questions that you can ask or label their effect, right? So somebody says no. Okay, the question could be, what is it about this that doesn't work? Okay, that would be a solution-based question. Or if you want to put in a label, you could say, it seems like something here bothers you. So see how either of those two responses would work really well to a no-based answer. Um, going Pivoting back to yes, there are three types of yeses. So think about this. There's, there's the counterfeit yes, okay? There's a confirmation yes, and then there's the commitment yes. And we're going to dive down into what each of those three represent. So the counterfeit yes, this is the worst kind. And if any of you, you guys have been in sales, you know exactly how this goes. And, and uh, it's pretty much your counterpart wants to say no, but uses yes as an escape route. And you've probably done it too. I mean, we all have, right? Um, it also, it could mean you just want to keep the conversation going and get more info. And usually it's an affirmation without any intention behind it. So, you know, are you interested in this product? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to just sign up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, it's a counterfeit. It's not real, right? It's just, it's, they're saying yes so that they can speed up the situation, get the sales presentation over with, and just get on with it so that they don't get the salesman any time to come up with rebuttals, right? There's no tennis match back and forth. It's just out of there. Uh, then there's the second type of yes is a confirmation. So this is generally innocent. Usually it's an affirmation without any in intention behind it. You know, it's not, it's halfway between the least favorite yes and, and the most favorite yes. Um, it's it usually a lot of times just means like, yeah, I, I, I'm not ready to buy, but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. But the commitment yes, this is the most coveted one. This is the most important one. And this is the real deal. So it's a true agreement. Uh, it's a true agreement that leads to action and it's a signed deal. That's it. So um, there's a story that Chris goes into, which I think is really interesting, where he wants to work in a counter-terrorist hostage negotiation unit. And he comes into the hiring department, the woman goes by the name of Amy and asks her for a job and kind of gives a little bit of his credentials, which at this stage she's qualified, uh, but she promptly shuts him down. And she immediately tells him that he's completely unqualified, there's a lot of people in line, and he's got no, you know, doesn't have the necessary prerequisites in order to get the job. And what she told him was she, that he had to go hire, or he had to go volunteer at the suicide hotline. And um, I think she was actually in the habit of telling a lot of people that because it just got them out of her office and got it uh, got them off of her plate. But he was there for two months. And so while he was there, um, some of the interesting discoveries, over 60% of the calls were not in risk of actually committing suicide, which is uh, kind of crazy if you think about it. But they were just thinking someone to talk to. They just wanted a friend. They just wanted some counsel. They just wanted to be heard. They just wanted to be understood and have a chance to use a sounding board, you know, engage in human dialogue and interaction. So one of the guys, he was a frequent caller. He got a call from him, and he said he was scared to go outside. And during the course of the phone call, Chris had talked him through, you know, used some of the techniques that they taught him and just essentially convinced him to go outside. And at the end of the call, the caller thanked him. He's like, hey, Chris, you know, thanks for helping me out. And so... During that phone call, as his boss, as Chris's boss was listening in, he began to think, man, you know, like, I am a really great negotiator. Like, I just talked to this guy out of being too scared to stay inside. Um, I made him feel comfortable to go, out, go outside and live his life, and etc. And then the boss proceeded to tell Chris, hey, that was one of the worst calls I've ever heard. 
<laughs> and it's a complete 180 of what he was expecting. And the problem is that the caller should be thinking themselves, right? They should be able to look inwardly and find the desire within themselves to be able to accomplish the feat which they're calling about. And if they're constantly relying on the caller, then they don't feel like they'll be able to move forward on their own accord. And so the last thing you want is for somebody to thank you as the person at the other end of the phone in a suicide hotline. So two primal needs, right? We got two primal needs and we can't control others' decisions, but we can influence them. And everybody has the two needs. They want to feel safe and secure. That's one of them, all right? Safety and security would fall into the same bus bucket, uh, basket and then just feeling in control. So with that in mind, um, that can help us get to a no faster. So five months after Amy, remember the girl from um, the, the job where he was applying at, five months after Amy told Chris to go away, he came back and said he had volunteered at the suicide hotline. And there are five other people in line for the job and all of these people had more experience and all of them were way more qualified, but she gave it to him because Amy had actually, she'd volunteered at that exact same place and she knew the type of negotiation experience and, uh, and real life experience that he was gonna get. So, um, the next topic is called say no fast. And essentially we assume that saying no is always a bad thing and that's just not true. It, Cause like we talked about earlier, saying no gives them, gives their counterpart the feeling of control. Another thing is that it shows that they're cognizant and thinking. Okay, when you say yes, you can have a tendency to shift to autopilot. It's a lot of times just easier to say yeah. It's just easier to agree. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. You know, and it, you're thinking that it gets your way out of the situation. So getting them to say no will kind of snap them back into reality. It, for, it forces them to think. And one of the favorite things, just an easy question that you can do early on in the conversation, right when you start. Hey, is now a bad time to talk? Okay, because think about it. Most of the time, people say is now a good time to talk, and you don't, you know, you don't want to say no. We want to agree as humans. Typically, we always want to find that person. We want to come to an agreement with whoever it is on the other side of the table. That's just how we are as human nature. So, so asking somebody is now a good time to talk. You're, con you're they're conditioned to say yes. They say yes. But when you ask them on the phone, hey, is now a bad time to talk? Well, they have to do a little bit of a double think because they two parts. One is that they're thinking subconsciously, it's a little bit awkward for me to say no at this early on in a negotiation or a conversation. But by the other token, you know, I want to build this relationship. I, you know, I want to be what liked and accepted by this other person. And so um, it forces them to kind of just quickly think through that. But it starts off the conversation with a no. Hey, is now a bad time to talk, Julie? Uh, no. Okay. And then they, they feel like they're in control. They've given you permission to talk and you got them to say it really fast. Okay. So it's always a good idea to switch out is from is now a good time to talk to is now a bad time to talk just to get them to say no faster. And the sooner you say no, the sooner you can open up the negotiation. So think about all the tr sales training that's been pounded into sales guys over the years and over the decades, honestly. I mean, it's probably been a century or more of this kind of stuff. And getting a quick no changes the trajectory of the conversation and causes them to actually think, okay? It causes your counterpart to actually think about what they're saying. And then one of the most important things, it gives you the two basic needs, which is safety, security, and control. So the sooner you say no, um, you know, the sooner you open up that negotiation. So I, another cool story, there was a young man raising money for registered Republicans, and they gave him the script that when he um, started working at this organization, 
And essentially, it was a bunch of these kind of stereotypical yes geared questions, questions geared towards getting the person on the other end of the line to say yes. So he would start out, hey, do you believe gas prices are too high? And they would say, well, yes, I do. And then, hey, do you believe Democrats are part of the problem? And they would say, yes, definitely. They're tearing this country apart. And he would say, do you believe we need to change? And they're like, yeah, we, need, we definitely need to change or it's going to be bad. He's like, okay, can you give me your credit card number? And then <laughs> the answer was no, because it came too late. You know, it's like it, what we faced earlier with the telemarketers, it's feeling like you're forced down this rabbit hole of yes questions doesn't make you feel like you're in control. So uh, the reality was that script had been getting poor results for years. What he did, the student was in Chris Voss's class and he had the opportunity to change the script and modify it based on what he was learning in, in class. So he had his group of people that he worked with test the no-oriented script with some slight changes to the previous yes-oriented script. And it started, and they were going to the phone, hey, I'm calling from XYZ uh, you know, organization. Do you feel that if things stay the way they are, America's best days are ahead? And they would say, well, no, you know, I don't think so. I think we need to make some serious changes or we're going to be in big trouble. And then he says, are you going to sit and watch Obama take the office without putting up a fight? Well, no, I plan to do everything I can to, you know, stop Obama from getting an office. And then he says, if you want to do something today, you can donate to our XYZ organization. And so just those little scripts, just those little tweaks of getting them to say no had produced a 23% better rate of return than the yes-oriented scripts, okay? So 23% took the same amount of time, used the exact same people, they just switched the questions around, which is crazy. All right, Mark Cuban has a famous quote, which is, every no gets me closer to a yes. So you don't believe me, you don't believe Chris Voss, hopefully you can believe Mark Cuban. <laughs> uh, mislabeling, let's talk about that for a second. Sometimes you're not paying attention, right? Sometimes the person that you're talking to, your counterpart, whatever. So if you mislabel what they're thinking or feeling, uh, with something that you know is totally wrong, right? So you could say something like, so it seems like you really want to leave your job, it, you know, in the middle of a, of a conversation or, um, or something of that nature, and then if they're there talking about a raise or they're talking about a promotion or whatever, then the answer would be, no, 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 no I, I want to keep my job, right? And that would be what you would call a mislabel. It's intentionally doing saying something that you know is not true about the way they're thinking or feeling to get the negotiation started and to um, speed things up a little bit. So, forcing what they don't want is the next topic. Um, now, what you could do is you could say, let's talk about what you don't want, right? Just straight up off the bat. And once they talk about this, it feels like self-protection. So, it, you know, there, there should be a room allocated in the negotiation, um, in the conversations that you're having, at some point in time where you carve out time for them to talk about what they don't want. And this should be done very early on. Because once they talk about what they don't want, I mean, just think about it from your perspective. If somebody tells you, hey, tell me everything that you don't want, and you explain it to them, well, now you've increased your confidence level that they're not going to try and give you something that you don't want, you know? And so they're more open to moving towards new options and new ideas aside from what you just said that you don't want. And so, because you're going to be thinking about that anyways, you know, or your counterpart is going to be thinking about that. They're already thinking about the things, okay, you know, I got to go here. I don't want this. How am I going to bring this up? Um, he probably is... They might even be thinking that you're trying to sell them on something that they don't want, or you're trying to put something in the negotiation if you're doing a real estate close or a, or a lease signage uh, that they don't want. So just talking, going to that first, or not quite first, but very early in negotiations is going to ultimately speed things up a lot. All right, so 
talking about email magic. This is a, a really cool script because we've all been there. Okay, what happens when you get ignored? It's the worst, right? Getting no response is the absolute worst when you send somebody out an email and you follow up. And then of course, we all do the thing that you shouldn't do, which is, hey, did you get my last email? Of course, they got your last email. Okay, they wouldn't all of a sudden magically start getting this email. <laughs> Anyways, if, if they hadn't got it. So a much better question to ask is, is a question that provokes a no and gets them to respond. And you can just simply say something, something along the lines of like, have you given up on this project? Have you given up on working together? And it prompts action. So the inclination, like we talked about earlier, is to please the other party and disagree. And so really, it's not rude. Uh, you'd be surprised, and it feels rude, right? But it's, it's really not. It works across all different cultures. Anybody who emails um, is prone to responding with no and opening that dialogue back up. So why does that work so well? Well, it goes against everything we've been taught as a society. The way to get to a solution quickly is by getting the other party to disagree quickly, surprisingly. So just think about that for a second. Triggering no peels away the falseness of nice and allows you to have more real dialogue. Now, let's talk, let's just summarize real quick. That was, I know that's a lot of content. Feel free to go back and, and listen to this as many times as you need to. But um, in summary, you know, break the bad habit of getting people to say yes. People are numb to this, okay? Just, we need to, we need a new approach. And no is not a failure. It just means wait or I'm not comfortable. And remember, it's not the end, but the beginning. Yes is the final goal, of course, but not the aim at the start. So asking for a yes too quickly makes your counterpart put their guard up. Saying no makes a speaker feel in control. Is now a bad time to talk is always better than is now a good time to talk. And then intentionally mislabeling. So force them into a no by asking a ridiculous question. Negotiate in their world. What this means um, when I say negotiate in their world, ask them questions that open the path to their goal. Remember, it's not about you. The goal is to get them to come up with your solution on their own anyways. So that wraps up chapter four. Um, next, we are going to continue moving right along. These, imagine these like the Notes version, okay? Instead of taking 50, 55 minutes, this takes between 10 and 20 minutes to get through a whole chapter. So anyways, hope this is helpful. Please let me know um, by reviewing, leaving it in the comments, or just um, telling me to shut up. <laughs> so hope you guys have a good day, and we'll see you soon. If you need help finding the perfect location for your practice or you're ready to invest in commercial real estate, email us podcast at leadersre.com. That's podcast at leadersre, R-E as in realestate.com. Or go to leadersre.com and fill out our form. See you next time.